Amen. Hey, how many of you guys, once again, raise your hand. We're getting some calisthenics in tonight. How many of you guys have been here all five studies? Right? Actually, this is the sixth one, so you guys messed up. Pastor Tom, you got it right. Give it up for Pastor Tom. I saw you. Almost, almost. But you... He was sick one time. Okay, well, never mind. You... He was watching online. Okay, so I guess that counts. But hey, let's go ahead and let's recap. We've already seen the history of the abortion industry, i.e. the mass murder of children movement, because that's really what it is. Okay, we saw that unfortunately we're going down the same unfortunate route. Romans 1, once you decide and actually say that there is no God, which is what the live evolution does, which is what our schools are now promoting in our society throughout, uh, then guess what? You're going to become a very immoral society, the scripture says. And then you don't stop from there and you don't turn around. Then you go to the next stage and you start to endorse and encourage homosexuality and lesbianism. Have we reached that point? Unfortunately, yes. Then you get to the third and final stage where you get a depraved mind, and the scripture says you not only get absolutely wicked and violent, but you start to do things you ought not to do. And folks, again, murdering children to the tune, period, but certainly to the tune of tens of millions just in the United States alone is something you ought not to do. Okay, but it's, it's a parallel of what we're seeing there. Then we saw the motive of the abortion industry. And we saw that these people, unfortunately, are becoming multi-millionaires uh, off of this thing called murdering children, i.e. abortion. And they're not only making money by killing the children, they're making money, millions of dollars, by selling the baby body parts as gross as that is. But that's what's going on. The third one we saw, by way of recap, is the church. Where's the church in all this? I mean, surely we're standing up. Well, first of all, Jim, stop calling me Shirley. Uh, but I am standing standing up. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, we saw, unfortunately, many people that claim to be Christians and even so-called pastors are asking for God's blessing upon Planned Parenthood and abortion clinics and actually going in and being a pastor there to encourage these girls to their spiritual right to kill their baby. Excuse me? And we saw, well, hey, listen, I got a serious problem with that personally, uh, but the, our eyes are open to what the scripture says. Not everybody who claims to be a Christian is one. Okay, we dealt with that in great detail. Uh, then we saw the uh, survivors of the abortion industry, not the men and women who actually tried to attempt uh, to murder their child through abortion, uh, but the actual children who survived the abortion attempt. And that's a valuable uh, and a, a great argument because how do you explain that one away? Right? Because that's the game that they play. You know, you, you, the womb, you, you can't see through the skin, which is a lie. Remember, we saw the technology. We even got not just sonograms, but 3D and 4D sonograms. You can see right in there, man. That's a baby through and through, right? And then we even saw last time that even in the abortion clinics, they were showing, they, they would hide the sonograms that clearly showed a baby from the ladies in the, even though they wanted to see it, right? Lest they should change their mind because, remember then they wouldn't give them the money and earn that cash for killing that child. But anyway, uh, we saw that that's not true, but they say, well, you can't see. So it's just, it's a, a, a blob of tissue. It's not, it's not a real human. It's, it's not viable and all that stuff. Well, that's a lie. How do you explain these people, oftentimes with missing limbs, now as grown adults, saying that was me in there you tried to kill, right? So we dealt with that. And then last time we saw the aftermath of abortion. Abortion is the sin of murder, and the scripture is clear. All sin, what? Sin hurts, sin harms, sin destroys. And that's what we saw. This is supposed to be about a woman's right. This is your right to choose, and it's all about you, and it's going to make your life incredible by having this right to murder a child. Excuse me? We saw 100% of the time, what's it do? It destroys not only the children, i.e. it kills them, but it destroys women and their families and the marriages and even society. Right? The blood being spilled on the ground cries out to God as we saw. Now, tonight we're going to get into the response. Okay? The response. Right? Because you and I could believe and see, and rightly so, I would say, 
biblically, logically, philosophically, that, man, this is wrong. Murdering children is wrong. I mean, I can't even believe we're having a discussion about this, right? But we have a large element of our society that says, oh, no, I not only believe it's my right, uh, but you can't tell me to stop. How do you reason with those people? How do you talk with them? How do we respond, right? Well, we do it the biblical way, okay? And uh, we give a reasonable defense, okay? And uh, that's what we see in our opening text. First Peter chapter 3, let's take a look. First Peter chapter 3, right? Do we just not say nothing? Right? When we just say, well, I just can't talk to you people, you make me mad. No, that doesn't help, right? We need to speak up, right? And we need to be able to speak up, even though you know it might get a little bit heated. It doesn't need to, and we certainly don't need to be heated. That's what the scripture talks about here, right? You don't need to do an eye, eye for an eye, two for two. But if anything, speak up on behalf of what you know, if you don't speak up, it's going to happen. A child is going to be murdered, right? So give a defense, right? But First Peter chapter 3, we're going to look at verse 15, right? But here's what it says. But in your heart set apart Christ as Lord. And once in a while, or no, no, only those people who've memorized the whole Bible. No, no, just pastors, because we expect them to have all the answers. No. What's it say? Always, right? Always be prepared to give an answer to... Just those people that agree with you. All right, well, if that person, if I don't like them, or if they get on my nerves, then I'm skipping over that one. Now, what's it say? Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone. You mean even the people who believe in murdering children? Yeah, everyone's everyone, right? Uh, Who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But here's the key. Do this with what? gentleness and respect. Don't do an eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. That doesn't help anything. You keep in a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. And we've already seen that that's oftentimes a powerful way to witness to people. And we've seen some testimonies already of people who worked at abortion clinics or ran abortion clinics, but a Christian came in there and stood up, gave a defense, but did so lovingly and respectfully, and what happened? People got saved, and they quit doing what they were doing, i.e. murdering children. So that's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to give a defense, a biblical, reason, philosophical, logical response on why it is wrong to murder children, okay? And uh, we're going to take a look at a, a, a lot of things that they throw back at you and I, and then we're going to begin to uh, answer them, okay? And the first thing they say is, well, what's the big deal? Why are you making a big case out of this? Because it doesn't hurt anybody. Yeah, do you notice the oxymoron? Excuse me, what do you mean it doesn't hurt anybody? You just killed a baby, okay? But that's typically what they'll say, okay? In fact, it's just a pathway of destruction. Let me give you some statistics here. There's around uh, 1 million abortions, murdering children, take place annually just in the U.S. Every year, just averages 1 million children are murdered in our country. Does that hurt anybody? Uh, Yeah, it rhymes with a million or more. Okay. Uh, But, and that's not even, we don't even know if we got the right numbers, folks. And this is, I didn't realize this. I came across this one. Uh, There's a problem with the reporting methods, okay? Some states don't report, including California. At certain times. So do we even really have the true figure? We're saying 60 plus million, but maybe it's a lot more. We don't know. Now, more than 25% of abortions are chemical. That's that saline one that they do where they literally burn the child inside and out, waiting for it to die, then you deliver it. Does that hurt anybody? Uh, Nearly 75% are surgical. That's when they rip them apart. Does that hurt anybody? 
41% of women who had abortions in the U.S. had no other children. And we saw a lot of it leads to infertility. Does that hurt anybody? Remember, that's the premise. It doesn't hurt anybody. 44% of women who had abortions in the U.S. had at least one previous abortion. So now it's a pattern of behavior, which destroys them. So is that good? Does that hurt anybody? 86% of women who had abortions in the U.S. were unmarried. Okay. Well, again, maybe if you do it God's way, then you wouldn't be in this situation. But still, even if you're in that situation, there's no reason for you to kill a child. And I will say this is a, a disclaimer, right? Ladies, if you have a guy who is pressuring you to not do it God's way, i.e. wait until marriage, okay, you need to dump him. He's a klutz, right? All right? And if he even professes to be a Christian, that ain't the kind of Christian you want to marry, right? Because if he's going to do that to you before you get married, what do you think is going to happen afterwards? Right? And if he also even is at the point where he says he's a Christian, or even whatever, okay, but he's actually trying to get you to go through with an abortion, dump him. Right? And you can always adopt out the baby. Right? But we'll get to that tonight. Why does the baby always have to be punished for something it did not do? Right? But let's go on. 41% of abortions are among women and teens 24 years old and younger. Remember, they're using the schools as the harvest ground. Via sex education. 40% of minors have an abortion. Uh, 40% of them never, uh, uh, their parents knew nothing about the abortion. So is that good for family relations? Right? Encouraging kids to lie to the parents? Does that hurt anybody? At at current rates, an estimated one-fourth of American women will have an abortion by the age of 45. One-fourth of all women across the United States of America are going to have an abortion. Last time if you were here, what happened to them? Did it improve their lives? No, it destroyed 100% of the time. That's one-fourth of every woman in our country, statistically, is going to have their life destroyed. But again, remember, what was the, the premise? It doesn't hurt anybody. Okay, it's crazy. They're also, ladies are using it as a form of contraception. 34% of all abortions were repeats. Now, listen to the reasons that were given for an abortion, i.e. murdering the child. 4% said they would uh, interfere with the education or career. 7% said they're not mature enough to raise a child. 8% said they don't want to be a single mother. Uh, 19% say they, uh, they're done having children. Uh, 23% says they can't afford a baby. Uh, last time I cost... All children cost. Oh, by the way, you who are trying to think about doing this decision, killing a baby, did you know you cost your parents? Aren't you glad they paid for you? Right? Uh, Pass it along. 25% uh, says they're not ready for a trial. Then get out of the bedroom. And again, ladies, if you're being pressured, dump them. Right? Do it God's way, and you can avoid the whole thing. Now, who's got the highest rates? District of Columbia, D.C., Washington, D.C., 38% of pregnancies end in a murder of a child. Wow. That's our nation's. Do you think that reflects maybe our capital, our nation? Uh, New York State, 33%. New Jersey, 30%. All end. Every pregnancy ends in abortion. Black women were more than three and a half times more likely to have an abortion than white women. You really think that there's not eugenics going on? Of course it is, folks. That's whose premise. That Margaret Sanger uh, dream is still being uh, put into action. The abortion rate of women with Medicaid is three times as high as other women. Well, why? Because we're going to see that they get government funding via Medicaid, but also they prey on the poor, right? Because the poor, remember what Margaret Sanger said? The poor, the blacks, the the non-Caucasians are misfits, 
and they need to, they're morons. They need to be gotten rid of like weeds, right? And so that's a big number. And listen to this, this one. 30% of women who aborted, i.e. murdered their child, said they were Protestant. 30%, not three. Should be 0%, but 30%. Sounds like the church is a little bit confused on this issue. No wonder we're doing this study. And again, the total, remember, it doesn't hurt anybody. That's our first premise tonight, right? Is what they say, right? Uh, the total number of abortions in the U.S. is now over 61 million, but again, maybe it's higher because the states don't always report, okay? And uh, about one-fourth of all children in the United States are murdered. One-fourth of the United States, 219 abortions per uh, 1,000 live births. Okay, and just in the U.S., Every 30 seconds, a child is murdered. Remember, it doesn't hurt anybody. Oh, and around the world, globally, 25% of all pregnancies around the whole planet end in abortion. But see, it's one thing to listen to me give you statistics. Let me show you. Let me show you what it looks like. Okay. Because this is, this is wild. This is what we need to be uh, aware of. Okay? I took this on my phone. There's no audio on this. It's a video. And believe it or not, you can just type in abortion clock, and you will see how many children are being murdered in the United States and around the world. Okay? It's mind-blowing. Okay? But l- let, me, let me just uh, explain it to you here. But this is the video uh, that I took on my cell phone. Now, this was uh, Monday, about 10 in the morning. Okay, and you can see by 10 in the morning, just in the United States, well over a thousand children were murdered just by 10 in the morning. And and notice it doesn't stop. It's still clicking away. Okay, Uh, then just this year, we've what? We just went through three months. Almost a quarter million children have been murdered in our country. Oh, and it's still clicking away as you can. You can see, oh, black babies since 1973. 18 million plus, and it's still ticking away. Again, you don't think there's eugenics involved? Okay. And this one worldwide, uh, since 1980, not 1973, 1980, that's 1.53 billion. And worldwide, just this year in three months, 10,166,000. Oh, and since I loaded the page, as you're watching this, look at how fast that's going. About one every second. Not 30 seconds, every second around the world. And as you're staring at this, as we're doing this study, that's how many children are being murdered at that rate. Oh, but remember they said it doesn't hurt anybody. Wow. You're going to stand before God on that one. Okay? So that's one thing that we can demonstrate. So much for not hurting anybody. That's all it does is hurt people, okay, and kill people, okay? The second thing that they say, they'll say, well, you know what? It doesn't affect you, all right? It doesn't affect you. It's my belief. Just leave me alone. Back off. Really? All right? Let's go ahead and let's see if we can uh, examine that. Okay, and one way that it does affect us is financially. You realize that? Now, Planned Parenthood, folks, as we saw before, is not a multi-million dollar corporation. It's a multi-billion dollar corporation. Billion dollar corporation, okay? And states use public funds to pay for abortions, which means our tax dollars are going to fund abortions, i.e. the murder of children. So, yes, it does affect me. Okay, as a taxpayer, that's not right. 
Okay. Now, Planned Parenthood historically has always said, oh, no, we don't use those funds uh, for abortions. That's a lie. So let's go ahead and let's respond to that. Here's the facts. No federal funds pay for abortion services at Planned Parenthood. That's exactly right. Federal funding doesn't go to abortion services at Planned Parenthood. Federal funding, as you probably know, um, does not pay for abortion services. Many people hear this and think that none of our taxpayer dollars pay for abortions, but nothing could be further from the truth. Planned Parenthood is America's largest abortion chain, committing over 320,000 abortions per year, 887 abortions per day. And yet every year, Planned Parenthood gets over half a billion of our taxpayer dollars from state and federal governments, which averages to over $1.5 million per day. In an attempt to defend themselves, Planned Parenthood repeats over and over again their talking point that according to the Hyde Amendment, federal taxpayer dollars cannot pay for abortions in most cases. But keep in mind that the Hyde Amendment only covers federal funding of abortion, not state funding of abortion. 17 states covering about 40% of the American population use taxpayer dollars to pay for abortions through programs such as Medicaid. When you call a Planned Parenthood in one of these states, you hear something like this. You sound like actually a perfect candidate for Medicaid, and they do cover terminations in full. So a portion of Planned Parenthood's half a billion in government revenue comes directly from state taxpayer-funded abortions. But federal taxpayer dollars also pay for abortions. Under the federal program Title X, your federal taxpayer dollars directly pay for potentially abortion-causing emergency contraception such as Plan B and the morning-after pill. Additionally, the Hyde Amendment is insufficient to stop federal funding from paying for Planned Parenthood's abortion business because money is fungible. The concept of fungibility works like this. Let's say 16-year-old Stacy wants to buy a big screen TV that costs $1,000. Stacy has $1,000, but she needs to spend $500 to fix her car. Her mom comes along and says, I'll give you $500 to fix the car, but it is only for the car. No way am I giving you money to buy a TV. In fact, I'm only going to reimburse you after you pay to get the car fixed. Obviously, because of mom, Stacy now has enough money to fix her car and buy the TV. Fungibility means that even though mom restricted her money from directly paying for the TV, she still helps Stacy pay for it by freeing up Stacy's other money. The same is true for Planned Parenthood. They do things like abortions, birth control, STD testing and treatment, and marketing and lobbying. And they fund these operations with hundreds of millions of dollars in income and donations. So when the government comes along and gives Planned Parenthood hundreds of millions of our taxpayer dollars a year, even though it is technically restricted, it frees up plenty of that income and donation money to pay for their abortion operations, including the procedures, facilities, staffing, building costs, and other abortion-related overhead expenses. As former Planned Parenthood manager Sue Thayer says, it's all one big pot. You know, you picture one big pot, and all the money goes into the pot because there weren't separate abortion facilities. I mean, they were all, it was a contraceptive clinic with an abortion facility in it. And there's, there's no possible way to keep that money separate. To use specific examples, when Planned Parenthood receives taxpayer money through Title X, that money can pay for the same receptionists and clinicians that assist with the abortion and the same facilities at which abortions are committed. In fact, call up a taxpayer-funded Planned Parenthood facility asking for an abortion, and this is what you get. We tell you you're pregnant, and we also let Planned Parenthood to do the abortions. We only offer um, like pregnancy tests and then abortion care if that's what you wanted to go with. And it would be $715. We do offer limited financial assistance. It is based on your um, household size and income. We do abortion here. But like with the three options, I guess I could do an abortion in the clinic. With the other two options, I would have to go outside of Planned Parenthood. 
Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. So when taxpayer money does fund abortion facilitators and does fund abortion facilities, how can anyone make the claim that federal taxpayer money does not fund abortions? If we take a look at these numbers over time, we can see that as government funding has increased, so have Planned Parenthood's abortions, especially in the last 15 years. Notice how the slopes of the graphs have a very similar shape. Planned Parenthood says that defunding them will deprive many people from basic health care. But that's completely up to Planned Parenthood. Understand, Planned Parenthood always has the option of keeping their half a billion dollars in taxpayer money if they shut down their abortion business. But Planned Parenthood has refused this option. President Trump says funding will flow in full if Planned Parenthood just agrees to stop performing abortions. Would you ever? Absolutely not. Wow. Don't want to stop the murder because that's where you're making your millions of dollars. And did you see the little financial game that they play? Folks, we're funding this as taxpayers. Half a billion per year. Did you catch that? One and a half million dollars per day of our tax dollars are going to what? Murder children. Mm. But, hey, remember, they said it doesn't affect us. No big deal. But let's explore that further, right? It doesn't affect us. What about the long-term effects that this has, murdering children, on our society? I mean, think of all the doctors that will never be born. I mean, maybe one of them had the actual cure for cancer. Ain't going to happen now. You killed them. Think about it. The effects of society when you continue to murder the, what could have been the next generation. What about all the business women or uh, businessmen? What about all the pastors and preachers and teachers and and... What effects is being done on your society by these people who will never be because you killed them? That could have been a positive output for our society. So, yeah, it does affect us. In fact, I like this. Would you consider abortion in the following situations, right? I'm going to give you four cases. Keep the answer to the end. There's a preacher and wife who are very, very poor. And these are all true stories, by the way. They already have 14 kids. Yeah. Now she finds out she's pregnant with her 15th. They're living in tremendous poverty, considering their poverty and the excessive world population. Would you consider recommending she get an abortion? Case number two, the father is sick with sniffles. And again, these are all true stories. The mother has TB. They have four children. The first one's blind. The second one just died. The third one is deaf. And the fourth one came down with TB. She finds out she's pregnant again. Given the extreme situation, would you consider recommending an abortion? Case number three. A white man raped a 13-year-old black girl and she got pregnant. If you were her parents, would you consider recommending an abortion? And the fourth case is this. A teenage girl is pregnant and she ain't married. And her fiancé is not the father of the baby and he is upset. Would you consider recommending an abortion? Well, if you did, remember the effects on society. In the first case, if you said, yes, you just killed John Wesley, one of the greatest evangelists in the 19th century. If you said, yes, in the second case, you just killed Beethoven. In the third case, you killed Ethel Waters, a great black gospel singer. Oh, and by the way, if you said yes to the fourth case, you just declared the murder of Jesus Christ. There is never a case for abortion, and it affects us in a major way mega way. 
right? In some ways that we may never even know, but only God knows, okay? Uh, but that's what they, they want to say, okay? But then they, they'll go on, they'll push a little bit further, and they'll say something like this. Well, you know what? It, it doesn't affect you Christians. Why are you Christians getting so hung up on this, right? And just, just back off, go into your little bubble, and we won't bug you with this. Well, that's not true, right? And there is no bubble, and uh, it's gone beyond just bugging, to use that term. Uh, there is talk right now in our country of forcing churches to pay for abortions, let me give you one example. Quote, all right, this was, on, this was two weeks ago. Washington State to churches, pay for abortions or break the law. The attorneys for a church in Seattle filed a federal lawsuit on Friday against Washington State officials for forcing churches to pay for abortions and their health care insurance. Right? Let's take a look. Joining us now from the Alliance Defending Freedom, Freedom, that's the firm representing the Seattle church, is Kevin Thiero. Kevin, so what more can you tell us about this case? This case is really about the state trying to force churches to act contrary to their religious convictions. And, of course, uh, churches shouldn't be forced to fund abortions. But that's exactly what this law does. Do you think this case shows a double standard regarding religious liberty and separation of church and state in any way? Certainly it does. I mean, this is the government intruding on the affairs of, uh, of the church. And not only churches, but all religious organizations are forced to fund abortion in violation of their convictions. And a church shouldn't be uh, required to include abortion when it, in its health care uh, provision for its uh, employees just because they cover maternity. So what makes the state think churches should be required to include abortion coverage in health care? Well, they mistakenly believe that uh, abortion is part of health care, but abortion is not health care. They Um, They, of course, think that abortion is vital in order for uh, a woman to be able to be successful. And that's completely contrary, not only to um, to what many uh, women in our organization and in the church believe, but um, it's contrary to the fact that women can have successful lives and we can protect women um, through uh, childbearing without uh, forcing them or coercing them to participate in abortion. So, Kevin, what is the end goal in this case? What are you hoping to achieve here? Well, we're getting we want to get this law struck down because it coerces churches to violate their religious conviction. This law requires pro-life churches to violate their religious convictions about life and have their employee insurance plans fund abortion. Cedar Park Church believes that abortion is not health care. What we are defending and standing for are the rights of people of faith to not be forced into being complicit uh, to something that's inconsistent with our faith. The church's health care insurance is intended to protect life and to help mothers who are welcoming a new baby into the world, not to end life through abortion. We distinctly do not cover abortion uh, because it's, a, it's the antithesis of who we are as, as an organization, uh, what our beliefs are, how we live out our faith. And the cost to not obey this law? A violation of this law would not only mean the church would face fines, but actual prison time. So much for not affecting the Christian. And apparently our tax dollars, even as Christians, the one and a half million you get per day is not enough. Now you want it to be in the Medicare to make sure that there's no excuse for people to come to your murder mill and help you become a millionaire. Folks, this is going on. Oh, by the way, and this is in, of course, Washington State. The bill sponsor 
shocker, is a Democrat state senator, Steve Hobbs. Okay, once again, I call them the death party, right? And you don't want health care. That's death care, okay? But you don't care. Uh, he he uh, purposely, the bill, had a lack of religious exemptions. So everybody's got to comply, including churches. He declined to change it and listened to his comment, saying employers had the option of suing, which would include church. Basically, sue me. If you don't like him, then he said, quote, health care is about the individual, not about them. Well, who's them? Christians. So now you're saying a baby's not a baby, which is a lie. And apparently a Christian is not an individual. Folks, this is where it's going. Right. And you wonder why we need to speak up. OK, but let's continue on. Uh, another one they'll say, they say, you know, we need to be prepared for is don't use their terminology. Right, And you've heard me say this repeatedly. I've given you a couple examples, but I'm going to give you many more right now. Okay, Don't use their terminology because they hide behind the terminology. Their terminology avoids the issue, escapes the issue, tries to soften the issue, or silence the issue. No, you need to rephrase it in a biblical, real manner Okay, for what it is. Now, let me give you, the, again, the first example I've already done many times. They say it's a fetus. Right? You're arguing over a fetus. No, I'm arguing over a baby. Sometimes they'll even say, a, again, a blob of tissue, or they'll even say a parasite. Yet it's been medically proven, folks, that the babies in the womb feel pain. That's not a parasite. That's not a blob of tissue, right? But again, we know, and we've already dealt with this, we know scientifically, and they know scientifically. Why are you hiding the sonogram? You know it's a baby, Right, But we know scientifically, folks, that it is a baby. So stop using this fake term, fetus. It's a baby. Call it what it is. It's a baby. It's a child from the moment of conception. Even the Secular Science Channel came out with this video of birth. Watch this.
And that power is God. And that's a baby. It's not a blob of tissue. It's not a fetus. It's a baby. Don't get tricked into using that terminology, right? Because it's awfully hard for somebody, I would think, unless their heart is extremely dark and hard and wicked, for to sit there and continue, yeah, I'm for pro-murdering babies. That's even hard to come off the lips for a normal person. It's not a fetus. It's a baby. Oh, and by the way, this is from WebMD, which as far as I understand is a secular medical source. Even they admit that life begins at conception. Okay, this is right off their website. Okay, okay. Very first page says, your baby's growth to birth. You're pregnant. Congratulations. The very next page, development month by month. The very first uh, concept, conception, quote, fertilization happens when a sperm meets and penetrates an egg. It's also called conception. At this moment, the genetic makeup is complete, including the sex of the baby. They know it's a baby, but they hide behind that term fetus because that's a nebulous term or just say it's a blob of tissue. It's a lie. Now, another terminology they use, of course, is the term itself, abortion. You know, maybe they say they use a, a, a termination of pregnancy. No, you just murdered a child. That's what it is. Are you against abortion? Yes, I am. I am against murdering children. Phrase it correctly, because that's really what it is. They say, no, what, what it is, the procedure is just a dilation extraction, i.e. partial birth abortion. That's all it is. Now, let me explain what's going on there. Quote, the baby is delivered feet first. Now, keep in mind what you just saw. The baby is delivered feet first. The head is left inside the birth canal. A sharp instrument is used to puncture the rear of the skull at the base. The brains are then sucked out. And once the baby's dead, then it's fully delivered. No, that's, are you against partial birth abortion? Yes, I am against for pulling a baby out by its feet, leaving its head in the womb and sucking its brains out. I'm against that. And, when you, and that's what it is. See, they hide behind the terminology. And when you explain that, it's like, how do you support that? Stop hiding. They'll say, no, it's just a DNC. Well, let me explain that. That's where the abortionist, i.e. murder person, inserts a curved knife into the placenta and cuts the baby up into pieces before it's suctioned out. You're against a woman's right for a DNC? Yes, I am against for a person uh, using a curved knife into the placenta and cutting a baby up into pieces and sucking it out with a vacuum. I'm very much against that. You mean to tell me you're for that? You're going to defend that? See, they hide behind the terms. Let me give you another. Dilation and evacuation. Well, here's what it is. That's when the abortionist inserts a plier-like instrument into the uterus. They then grab whatever part of the baby it comes in contact with, and then they twist and pull and literally dismember the baby and pull it piece by piece from the womb until it's killed. You mean you're against dilation and evacuation? Yes, I'm against pulling a baby from inside the womb apart, each body part, and sticking it on the side of the table. I'm very much against that. You mean to tell me you're for that? You're out here marching with your signs. Yay! Let's dismember children. Why don't you put that on your sign? Because that's what you're fighting for. Stop hiding behind the terminology. Pregnancy reduction. Who could be against that? Well, I am. Because here's what that is. That is the method of, quote, reducing the number of babies in the womb. Listen to this. Can you believe this actually goes on? Let's say you're not just pregnant, but you're blessed, as the Bible says, Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them, children. You're blessed with twins or maybe even triplets. Woohoo! You got a dishwasher, you got a clothes washer, and a yard worker all one shot. Now that's family planning, right? According to my dad, anyway. But anyway, uh, so you know what they do? 
Quote, that's the procedure, pregnancy reduction, when you, they inject poison into the heart of one or more of the babies while still in the womb. So you got blessed with triplets, but I only wanted one, so they kill the other two. They inject poison into the heart of the child. You're against pregnancy reduction. I am against murdering children, and I'm certainly against playing favorites with children and murdering the other two by injecting poison into their heart. You mean to tell me you're for that? Wow. Saline amniocentesis. Again, we saw that's the, what's that? That's when they take a concentrated salt solution, inject it into the placenta. The baby then ingests that dangerous salt in solution into the lungs, swallowing it, and it literally burns the baby alive inside and out. And then the baby eventually dies. Oftentimes, though, it doesn't. But it does the deed and burns the baby inside and out. And then it's delivered. You're against that? Absolutely. If a person poured hot boiling oil on a child outside the womb, what would happen to him? He'd go to jail, man. But it's okay to do something like that inside the womb? I got a problem with that. Suction aspiration. Well, that sounds innocuous. Well, here's what it is. That's a hollow plastic suction tube that's inserted into the placenta, and the strong suction tears the baby to pieces and then is sucked out. I'm against that. Reproductive rights. You're against reproductive rights? Well, first of all, nobody has the right to murder a child. Man, women, I don't care. Oh, and by the way, you're not reproducing anything, right? You're actually killing something. You want killing rights, not reproductive rights. You're not reproducing. You're taking away the opposite of what you say. You're hiding behind the terminology, so don't fall for that. And then, of course, they make you and I look like the bad guy. And you know one of the best ways to make somebody look bad? Before their term, put the word anti. Who wants to be anti? Except anti-chicken. Now, that's a good thing. Right? You just deal with the heat because you stand up for the truth. But I digress. But that's what they say. We're not just against abortion. What are we called? Anti-abortionists. Well, I don't care. I'll wear that label because let's rephrase it. I am anti-murdering children. Who wouldn't be? Because that's what it is. But they use that to make us look bad, okay? And, and, and it's anti-abortion rights, right? Or anti-choice. Well, hey, we're, we believe in the freedom of choice. Women, you could choose what to wear or what you want to eat, where you want to live, all that. We're not against making choices. But what we are against is choosing to murder a child, whether it's a woman or a man or I don't care who it is. We're not against choice, okay? Again, that's another thing that they tried to do. But then, actually, some people will come up there. So, you know, it's kind of hard. How do you argue with that, right? When you change the terminology correctly, how do you support any of that stuff? But then, there, actually, some people say this. Well, you know what? The Bible doesn't mention abortion, so it's okay. Really? Well, let's, let's, let's uh, follow that logic for a little bit here. Did you know that the Bible does not mention the word Trinity? It doesn't. So does that mean we can't believe in the Trinity? No, we believe in the Trinity because it's based in the Scripture. Repeat, Old Testament, New Testament, right? Let us make man in our image, Genesis, the Genesis account. Who is it Jesus' baptism, right? God the Father, God the Spirit, the sin is done, God the Son, right? The Trinity is all over the Scripture, right? That's why we believe in it. Yeah, maybe not the Word, but if you're going to follow that logic, then we shouldn't believe in the Trinity. Hey, did you know the word millennium is not in the Bible? The concept of the thousand-year reign is, which a thousand years means millennium. So we can't believe in the millennium because the word millennium is not there? 
Did you know the word Bible is not in the Bible? It's not. So can we not believe in the Bible? I mean, again, that, if that's your logic, I got a problem with that because abortion is not in the Bible. But you know what? You know the reason why abortion's wrong? Because abortion is murder, and the Bible says murder is wrong. And the murder of a person is wrong. Okay? And uh, the unborn person is a person, and you shouldn't kill them. That's why we believe abortion's wrong, because the concept's in the Scripture. Now, let me demonstrate that to you. Is it wrong to murder a person? Yes, let me just rip through some scripture. Genesis 9, Matthew 15, Matthew 19, Mark 10, Luke 18, John 8, Acts 3, Romans 1, and Romans 13. Okay, so murder's wrong. I think we, sh- I would think we would agree on that. Okay, uh, but is an unborn person uh, uh, really a person? Yes, it is. Let me give you a couple examples. First of all, uh, the scripture uh, tells us that the unborn possess personal attributes, which means they're a person. They may not be out of the womb yet, but they're still a person. We see that Psalm uh, 51, verse 5. David said, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Luke 1, For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. Well, if it's just a blob of tissue, how can it experience joy? Or be equated with sin, which is only something that people are referred to. So the scripture does that. Uh, the scripture also refers to the unborn with pronouns, like it's a real person, because it is a real person. Jeremiah 1.5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, not it, right? And before you, not it, were born, I consecrated you and have appointed you as a prophet unto the nations, right? Matthew 1. But when he had concentrated this, I considered this, behold, an angel Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife for the child, not the it, not the blob of tissue, not the non-viable entity, the parasite, the child who was conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, Notice, he's not born yet. Son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Notice the personal pronouns, because it's a person. Uh, also, Jesus was a baby at conception. We also see that in the, there. It says, the angel tells Joseph, the child who has been conceived, what's that? That's conception, the moment, the very moment, right? Is of the Holy Spirit. So who determines the conception at the moment? God, the Holy Spirit. Okay, God is the one. And it indicates that Jesus certainly was a person at the moment of conception. The Bible also calls the unborn children, right? Elizabeth, when uh, this, we see this in uh, Luke uh, again, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby, not the blob of tissue, not the fetus, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Also, did you know the unborn in the scripture are protected with the same rights as adults, including if you murder them? Read the Bible. Exodus 21, right? Verse 22 through 23. If men struggle with each other and strike a woman with child, i.e. she's what? Pregnant, right? So that she gives birth prematurely, yet there is no injury. He shall surely be fined as the woman's husband may demand of him. And he shall pay as the judges decide. But if there is any further injury, then you shall appoint as the penalty life for life. In the Old Testament, if you... Uh, injured, murdered a baby, you got the death penalty. Oh, they weren't outside the womb yet, you know. I'm just quoting scripture, right? And so obviously they have the same rights as adults. Why? Because they're people, right? God also called them before birth. He doesn't call blobs of flesh. He calls people, 
right? Jeremiah 1.5, listen to me, O islands, and pay attention, you peoples from afar. The Lord called me from the womb, and from the body of my mother, he named me. And they're also the unborn known personally by God, just like any other person, right? Describing David, uh, Psalm 139, my frame was not hidden from you, God, when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book were written, uh, uh, all written the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. He also described Jeremiah, Jeremiah 1.5, again, before I knew you in the womb, I knew you. God was speaking, of course. And before you were born, I consecrated you and appointed you as a prophet unto the nation. So wrap it all together, right? They say that the Bible doesn't mention abortion. Excuse me. Uh, it's still wrong. It's murder. It's a person. Here's what the Bible teaches, that unborn uh, are persons because the unborn possesses personal attributes. They're described by personal pronouns. Jesus was a child at conception by God, the Holy Spirit. The unborn are called children. They're protected with the same punishment as for adults, and they're called by God before birth, and they're known personally by God just like any other person. Therefore, guess what? Abortion is wrong because it's murdering a person, albeit a smaller person, but it's still a person, and murder is wrong, so this whole thing's wrong. Pretty case closed. Yet, I have to share this. This almost made me sick. It was either Sunday night, late Sunday night, or early Monday morning. I actually, and this was on one of our comments on one of the videos that was still up on YouTube, most of them being yanked off on this study. This is supposed to be a guy who gives the impression that he's an evangelist. And listen to what he said about one of our studies on this one, on abortion the mass murder of children. Quote, Billy Crone, the scripture says that a baby is not a soul until they are born and receive God's gift of life. The life of the baby is the mother's life. Quote, abortion is not killing life. The creator created a body with no life in it. What? <laughs> Just watch. And this is supposed to be a Christian evangelist, folks. And that, I have to share this. It was shocking to me. Then he goes on. He's supposed to be a Christian evangelist. Quote, the Christians are lying. All caps. When a husband and wife conceive, they make a body, a lifeless body. The baby in the womb is not a human being. Abortion is not killing human babies. Abortion is killing bodies with no soul in them. And then he ends it with this. Bless you. Wow. Where do you even start on that? It's like, what Bible are you reading? Because you're not reading it. Apparently. Man. That's pretty bad. All right. But then, 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 then uh, one, one guy, I, I got to share this. He, he kind of surmised it. He says, listen, we are allowed to take life in the Bible in prescribed requirements of the law, such as self-defense or war. Let me clarify what would be considered a just war. Not just any war. I think a lot of wars are not just. Okay. Uh, execution, things of that nature. Each of these deals with areas of the law. Self-defense is justified because an antagonist is breaking the law, i.e. burglary, robbery, assault, etc. And we can use force to protect ourselves and our property. War is the legal declaration of hostilities towards another nation. Execution is the legal taking of life against someone who's committed a crime or crimes worthy of execution. In each case, the antagonists are dealt with for the wrongs they have committed. But the baby in the womb has done no wrong. Yet, it's executed. It's executed, but it's broken no law. 
What crime has been committed? What law had they broken in their existence? None, yet they are killed. And he says, I'm reminded of Nazi Germany. The Jews were guilty of just being Jews, and according to the Nazis, they were worthy of death. Likewise, babies in the womb are guilty of just being babies in the womb and are, according to their parents, worthy of death. What laws did they break? What made them so unworthy of life? The answer is simple. It depends on the opinion of those in power, of those wielding the knife and redefining what is life, and those deciding who is worthy of life and who should die. Folks, that's euthanasia, or excuse me, that's eugenics. Okay? It's only in abortion that someone is executed but has not violated the law. This is fundamentally wrong, and that's why abortion is wrong. Since when do we kill someone who's broken no law? Since when do we kill someone whose only crime was being brought into existence via the copulation of his or her parents? You're murdering the innocent, and yet somehow it's supposed to be a right. Right? But then let's, let, let's finish it up. They got a couple of different things that they want to say, uh, you know, as to why they need to have this right, right? And they give us various reasons why it's their right to commit abortion, i.e. murder children. They say, well, first of all, the life in the womb is not human because it's not fully developed. All right, let's explore that. What constitutes full development? Is that one hour before birth? Is it an hour after birth? Is there a difference? Did you know that if that's going to be the game you play, did you know that I have heard on record that there are some parents who still have their kids at home and they're in their mid-20s and they haven't left? Are they fully developed? Maybe we should get rid of them. Where do you draw the line? Right? Where's this mystical line of development? They become a real person. It's funny, but it's true. And at what point does life suddenly develop value. If value is dependent upon the choice of the mother, then how is it possible that the choice of the mother changes the nature of the life from valuable to valueless since there's no change in condition in the life of the womb? Just saying it's valuable doesn't determine that. If it's human in nature, then what gives anyone the right to kill it? If its nature is something else, when does it change into a human? If it's a blob of tissue, when did it turn to a human? As we saw, it's human from conception. It's a lie. Right? Uh, then they go on and they say, uh, uh, if you aren't sure, then is that something you want to risk? Well, I'm not really sure when it becomes a human. Again, it's a human from conception, but to play their game, well, then you really want to risk killing a human? Because you don't even really know when it really becomes one, okay? And, and, and so is that something you really want to flirt with? And again, that's a lie anyway, because we know when it becomes a human. The second thing they say is, um, it's, the human tissue produced in the woman is the property of the one who produced it. You've heard that one, right? That's her body. It's her body. Really? But if what is growing in the womb is a person, and we can demonstrate that biblically and scientifically, then they cannot be owned. They don't belong to you. If the life in the womb is, is it, a, is it property like a cat or a dog that can be owned? Right? Oh, and when does the child stop being the property of the mother? If you're saying that they, you own them because that's a part of your body, then does that ownership stop at birth? Or, again, one-year-old, two, 20? Is that the 25-year-old rule? You better get out of this house. 25, man. I mean, think about it. Oh, and by the way, it's animals who are owned, not people. Or unless you want to reintroduce slavery. 
Because that's a child in there. You don't own that person. Nobody owns people. Owning people is called slavery. So are, are you for slavery? Can't have it both ways. Another argument they say, this is, well, again, it's part of the woman, and it's the woman's right to do what she wants with her body. Really, you're going to say that baby, which is a person, is a part of your body. I would assume no hands are going to go up on this question, but how many of you guys have ever seen a woman that has four arms, four legs, two heads, and four eyes? Because if the baby is a part of you, then the baby has two legs like you, so that equals you got four legs in your body, and you got two arms, that's four arms. Four, do you see what I'm getting? That's <laughs> not part of you, right? That's crazy. Her body is separate from the life that's growing in her, right? It's another body. You're absolutely right, Pastor Tom. The life growing in the womb can have a different blood type from the mother. It has separate brain waves. It is independent life with its own DNA. Its nature is human, and it's separate from the life of the mother, Okay? So, no, it doesn't belong to you. It's in your body, but it's not really even a part of your body, right? Oh, and by the way, if it's just a part of your body, uh, then there should be absolutely no guilt when you choose to do with your body what you choose to do, right? But when women choose to kill their children through abortion, then why is it that so many, if not all, feel guilty after the abortion, right? If I, hey, look, there's a wart on me. I take it off. (laughs) I feel so guilty. I got rid of the wart. Because that's what you're saying. It's a part of my body. It's nothing. It's not even a person, whatever. And I just got rid of Then why are you so guilty? And not so guilty, so guilty to the point that psychologically you can't handle it. And some of them end up killing themselves. Just because you got rid of a blob of flesh? No. It's not a part of your body. It's a different body. It's a human inside you. And that doesn't belong to you. Then, of course, the big one's rape. Now, with this one, what they do is they take the most extreme example and try to make that the reason why we should encompass all of murdering children, okay? Uh, Did you know that not even 1%, 0.5% of abortions are done because of rape? Not even a percent, a half a percent. But then that's all you hear. You mean to tell me, because when they get backed up to the wall, you mean to tell me you're going to make women be forced to give birth to that child? Notice they always slip child in there. Oh, Oh, you forgot to say fetus. Catch them on it when they do it. What did you just say? You said child. You admitted it's a child, didn't you? And, but anyway, so they'll take the extreme example. But let's, let's take a look at that. Let's take a look at the issue of rape. Rape is horrible, right? Uh, what was the punishment for rape in the scripture? Death penalty, right? You bring that back, guess what's going to happen to that behavior? It's going to go down. But that's the game that's being played. It is horrible. But here's the question. Why should the child in the womb pay for the sins of another person? Again, what crime did it commit? The baby is innocent of the offense and its life uh, uh, need not be taken away because of the act of another person. Oh, and remember, it's all about choice, right? I should have the choice to do that. Well, where's the baby's choice in this? Right? And if you're all about choice, let's be fair about it. You got three people involved in a rape, which is horrible. I'm not condoning rape. Of course not. But it happens. And sometimes the baby isn't as a result. But you got three people. You want to, do, you want to be fair? You want, is it all about choice? How about you got three people, you give each one of them a dice to roll, have a doctor roll for the baby that's in the womb, obviously, right? And roll the dice. 
And whoever gets the lowest number, that's the one that dies. I mean, if it's all about choice and you're trying to be fair, why is it that the one who committed no crime has to be the one to die? Oh, and by the way, guess what? You can adopt. If you can't handle thinking about that child, maybe it does remind you of the rapist, that holy man. I'm not saying you've got to force you to do Then adopt. There's always a way that you don't need, even in the existence and the unfortunate occurrence, the horrible occurrence of rape, you still don't need to murder the child. But listen to this. The percentage of if infants given up for adoption in the United States declined from 9% okay, born before 1973 to 2014 because so many are being murdered, 0.5%. As a result, the number of U.S. infant adoptions dropped. Around 2.6 million Americans are seeking to adopt children right now. But they can't get their hands on them because they're being killed right and left. Oh, and by the way, one more thing. Rape victims are four times more likely to die. The lady that got raped is four times more likely to die within the next year after an abortion. With a higher rate of suicide, murder, drug overdose, etc. As someone who really cares about rape victims, I want to protect them not only from the rapist, I also want to protect them from the murderous effects of abortion. A baby is not the worst thing that could ever happen to a rape victim, but statistically, rape and abortion is. So again, which one are you choosing? Another one they say, again, we're restricting a woman's right to choose. We're denying her rights. But again, that ignores the fact that nobody has a right uh, to murder a child. That's not what it is. You can choose to wear clothes, whatever. We're just saying nobody has a right, including you or me, anybody, to murder a child. Oh, and by the way, again, to the rights. Did you know, and it's the rights of a woman. Did you know that 50% of unborn children are girls? So think of that. The unborn female, the baby has a body that is separate from that of her mother. She has her own unique DNA. Her genetic code directs the development and growth of her own body from the moment of conception. Therefore, one out of every two abortion takes away the rights of a woman. But I thought you were all about the rights of a woman. But here you are taking away the rights of a woman. It takes away her right in the womb, the baby, baby girl. It takes away her right to control her own body. It takes away her right to choose anything in the future. It takes away a right more fundamental than the right to choose, i.e. the right to not be killed. Where's the rights of those girls if you're for women's rights? Then they'll say, no, no, no. We have to make abortion legal because of uh, uh, women will die if, you know, we have uh, unsafe abortions. And, and it'll go really unsafe if we don't legalize it. Really, let's explore that. That argument begs the question, is it okay for society to sanction child murder just because somebody might do it anyway? Let's press that logic. Should we legalize rape so the government can make it more safer and cleaner? Should we legalize underground sex uh, slave trade and regulate it to make it safer and cleaner for the people? Because they're going to do it anyway. Oh, by the way, that was a myth concocted by the abortion industry. Quote, Dr. Bernard Nathanson, co-founder of the National Abortion Rights Action League, NARL, admits that he and other abortion industry leaders invented the figures to make the claim that thousands of women are dying annually from unsafe abortions. They did this in order to win public sympathy to make abortion legal. Another one real quick. They say, well, there's just too many people in the world. Where do you even start with that one? 
We already saw that overpopulation is a myth. It's a lie. If you think our world's populated, get in a plane, travel anywhere, look out the window. Right? They always show downtown China, Shanghai, New York City, L.A., but you look out the window, there's plenty of room on the earth, folks. It's a lie. And if you're so for, uh, concerned about, take this as tongue-in-cheek, please, hello, but if you're so concerned about the earth being populated, why are you advocating killing somebody else? You going to volunteer? Again, take that tongue-in-cheek. I'm not advocating that. I'm just saying follow your own logic. Okay, uh, but again, where this is leading, of course, is euthanasia. They want to determine who gets to live and who doesn't. And again, they say, well, abortion is legal, so it should be okay. Really? Did you know 150 years ago, slavery was legal? So it must be okay. No, just because something's legal doesn't mean it's okay. Again, we already saw, did you know in the books in Germany, they said that the, the uh, Jewish people were not a people? That was on the legal books. And so oh, go get them, kill them. Does that make it right? Well, that's what's being done here. Oh, then they'll even throw this one out. You Christians are violating the Bible because the Bible says Christians should submit to the government and the government said abortion is legal, so you need to submit to it. Excuse me? And there's an abuse of, of course, Romans chapter 13 that talks about being in subject to the rulers over you, but there's always a biblical caveat, right? Unless that government asks you to do something contrary to the scripture, i.e. God's will. Abortion is murder, and we already demonstrated murder is against God's will. So if society says, I need to go out there and murder people, including children in the womb, I am against that. I have the ability from God to say no. In fact, the Bible also says in Acts chapter 5 that we are to, quote, obey God rather than men. Quote, Peter and the other apostles reply, we must obey God rather than men. Right? So God always supersedes all of that. Oh, and by the way, if you're so uh, hooked on obeying the government, listen to this. Speaking of the need to obey, did you know that unborn babies right now are considered human beings by the U.S. government? How can you never see this one on the news? The Federal Unborn Victims of Violence Act, which was enacted to protect unborn children from assault and murder, states that under federal law, anybody intentionally killing or attempting to kill an unborn child should be punished for intentionally killing or attempting to kill a human being. The act also states that an unborn child is a member of the species of homo sapiens, and at least 38 states have passed similar, uh, they say fetal, but baby homicide laws. That's on the books. So if you're so big about, we got to obey the government, how come you ain't banned that law? And how come that law is never being brought up? Let me give you two more. The Hippocratic Oath. You're supposed to be a, a medical doctor, Right? Okay, listen, uh, one section of the Hippocratic Oath reads, quote, I will not give a woman a pessary, meaning a device inserted into the vaginal canal to cause an abortion. That's a direct quote. Also, it says in the Hippocratic Oath, quote, it forbids doctors from performing abortion in the line, quote, above all, I must not play God. So you're not only violating the laws on the government that you say you're so concerned about, but you're violating anybody in the medical industry, you're violating the Hippocratic Oath. Oh, and by the way, even our founding fathers, let me share this and we'll get ready to close. Uh, you are violating the unalienable right to life. The Declaration of Independence states that, quote, all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Abortion takes away from the unborn the unalienable right that the founding fathers intended for all human beings. 
So if you're so hung up, we've got to obey the law. You're violating it yourself in major, major ways. Now as we close, we've been here for about an hour, for those of you hooked on watching the clock. And here's what's mind-blowing. How many hours, how many days, how many years do we sit here and we talk about abortion, it's wrong, abortion, it's wrong. And I'm not saying we shouldn't. But do you realize the whole time that we're talking about it, it's still going on. I did this, you can see, 11.03. It was about 10 o'clock when I did the last one, Monday morning, when I was working on my notes. We left off, it's about an hour's transpass, we left off at 386 in the world. And in about an hour, look at how many babies it's up to. 5,100. And do you notice? It's going faster than one per second now. I'm guessing because as the day goes on, people get more active, they're murdering faster. So in one hour, it went from 386 to 5,200. Oh, by the way, and when you go home tonight and I go home, it's still happening. When we get up in the morning, it's still happening and it's still going on. It's time we speak up. And I want to end with this one because this is the issue. The greatest thing we could do to give a defense, we need to stand up for God's truth that condemns this murderous practice. We need to do so not only for the person because sin hurts, harms, and destroys, but it kills the child. We do it in defense of the baby as well. But you might very well be witnessing to somebody and giving a defense to somebody who's already done the deed. And at that point, that's where you need to give a loving response. Now, you don't deny it. You don't act like it didn't happen. You don't try to soften it. But the greatest thing you could do for them at that point is to encourage them to confess it to God and be forgiven so that they can finally begin the process of healing. Like these ladies. We'll close after this. After my sixth abortion, I felt like I was going crazy and literally started banging my head against the wall. And within a few short months, I found myself in a church and I heard a pastor start talking about this scripture, I haven't given you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of love, a spirit of power, and a spirit of sound mind. And he also started to say that I think that there's somebody here today that has been thinking about committing suicide, about taking your life, and I want you to come forward and let me pray for you. And I moved forward that day because I was desperate to get off of that merry-go-round of abortion. I had to confess out loud that I was responsible for the death of two of my children through abortion. And it was the hardest thing I ever did in my whole life was to speak it out loud. But when I did, the healing began. The grieving began. Once I became a Christian, God began opening my eyes to the truths of abortion. He began over the years slowly exposing the reality of abortion to me and I finally realized that it wasn't a blob of tissue that was inside of me. That abortion took the life of my child and I began to realize that I was responsible for killing four of my own children. I can remember just taking my hands and placing them on the bed and crying out to God 
and asking him, you know, Lord, help me, forgive me for what I've done. And I started to just open my Bible because at that time there were no abortion recovery Bible studies. And he had me look at one scripture, and it was 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, I am faithful, Cindy, to forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. And I began crying out to him for that forgiveness, and I can remember that day that I did that I could just feel a release in my heart from all of the pain that had been there from the abortions. Two weeks later, after I found out that I was pregnant, I actually accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior at a crisis pregnancy center. My mom had come to know the Lord, and she called me one day. And a conversation on the phone, she started talking to me about the love of Jesus Christ and the hope in Him. And she started telling me how much she loved me and how much she cared for me, and that no matter what I could have done, that God would still love me. So I came home that night to my parents' house and went to a conference with them, and I received the Lord Jesus as my Savior, and my life changed. It was my parents who sat me down after a while and said, you know, we really think that there's something emotionally going on with you. That's why you're so ill and, and you seem so sad. And, and at that moment, something in me snapped and I began to weep uncontrollably and couldn't speak. And it was my mother who turned to me and said, Kelly, did you have an abortion? And it took me a little bit to, to confess that, yes, I had. And then we were able to pray. At this retreat, the first testimony I heard was about a girl who had two abortions and how God healed her and forgave her. That weekend, I gave my life to the Lord, and I was forgiven for having my abortion. My husband and I were invited to a fundraising banquet uh, at a local crisis pregnancy center, and I felt so, so out of place until... Um, the next speaker came up, and it was a woman talking about uh, her abortion and uh, the healing that she received. And I just wanted what this woman was talking about, the freedom in Jesus to once and for all lay that sin at the cross and, and receive healing and then go on and help other women. Not deny it. Not try to pacify it. Not ignore it. Not try to justify it but confess it to Jesus Christ. And when I liked what she said, and then go tell other women who've also made that mistake to do the same so you can be set free. That's how we respond, right? One more to go, Lord willing. Next time we're going to get into the future of abortion. Where's all this headed? Because we already saw a couple studies back that they're already talking about murdering children now after birth. Remember the Virginia guy? Okay. And, uh, but it's even beyond that, folks. They're talking about murdering children with Down syndrome. And uh, at this rate, they're also coupling this with assisted suicide and euthanasia. Hey, if you're going to kill a child, right, who's quote-unquote, as they would say, a nuisance and a financial obligation, then what about those old people? Folks, I'm telling you, that's exactly where it's headed, and we need to get equipped on that as well as we conclude, Lord willing, next time. Well, hi, this is Billy Crone of Get Life Ministries, and I hope you were blessed with this study.
But in closing, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple things that the Bible says. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the wages of our sin or unholiness is death. In other words, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and be separated from God for all eternity. This is the great cosmic dilemma. God who is holy and we are not, how can we have a relationship with Him? The two will never mix. Now, to make matters worse, we don't even want to admit this, even though God already knows He's God. And so God, out of love, gave us something called the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were not something to just memorize or stick on your wall or give the appearance of being a religious person. The Ten Commandments were God's divine x-ray, if you will, into our heart and soul to reveal this truth that we need to admit. And that is this, that God is holy and that we are not. We are disqualified for heaven. So let's take a look at that divine x-ray that God's trying to get us to realize. Uh, the, the Ten Commandments, the, the ninth one says, you shall not bear false witness. That's lying. Okay. How many guys have ever told a lie? Raise your hand. Okay. Well, if you didn't raise your hand, you just did. You just told a lie because we've all done that. Well, that makes us a liar. The, another Ten Commandments says that you shall not steal. Don't ever take anything without permission. How many of you guys uh, have ever done that? Well, you guys already said you're a bunch of liars. All of our hands should have went up on that one. And for being honest, God already knows. Folks, we've all taken something. We've stolen something, right? That makes us a thief. Another Ten Commandments says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. He's not just holy. Even His name is holy. Hey, folks, let's be honest. If you can believe it, even the name of Jesus Christ uh, has been turned into a common cuss word. Well, the Bible says that's a sin of blasphemy. Now we're a, a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus said, here's his standard. Uh, uh, even if you look at another person with lust in your eye, you committed adultery in your heart. Wow, so now we're an adulterer. The Bible says you shall not murder. And you might think, well, hey, at least I haven't done that one. Really? Again, the Bible says that the sin of hatred, wishing somebody was dead, okay, that, that's the same thing. Uh, it's akin to the sin of murder. It's just you pulled the trigger in your heart, but God sees the heart. Hey, folks, that's just five out of ten. How are you doing? You still think you're going to get to heaven on your own? You still think that you're qualified, that you're holy like God, and you could bridge the gap and have a relationship with Him forever? I don't think so. I mean, what did we just see? You're going to stand before God, and so am I. We all are. And we're going to have to give an account for who we are. Hey, hey, God, let me in. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a liar. I'm a thief, I'm a blasphemer, I'm an adulterer, I'm a murderer. And the scripture is very clear, folks. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of God. We're in trouble. But folks, here's the good news. The Bible says that if we would just admit that, that's the first step. To admit that God is holy, that I'm not, I'm disqualified for heaven, I need a Savior. If we would admit that and then ask for the Savior to save us. That, that's what God was doing with Jesus. God gave us His Son, Jesus Christ. He took the death penalty in our place so that we could be completely forgiven of everything we've ever done and be made holy through Jesus so that we can now have a relationship with God both here and now and forever in heaven. We can become qualified. The word that the Bible uses is a word called pardon, that God is willing to pardon us of all of our sins and crimes that we've committed against him and disqualified us that disqualified us for heaven right and we've actually seen this work in real life uh, for instance uh, there's been people who have committed crimes gone to court 
the gavel's been passed. The judge has said, hey, listen, we all know you're guilty. Uh, you even admit you're guilty. And uh, for your crimes, you're going to not just jail, you're going to uh, await in jail to go to the death penalty. And did you know that there actually is a way that somebody could get off of death row? It's called a pardon. The one in the authority, the governor, can grant what's called a pardon for that person's crimes, and they literally can go free. Not because of something they did, because the deeds are already done, you can't undo it. Not because they tried to clean up their act while they were stuck in the jail cell, because that doesn't change anything. But simply out of mercy, the person who has the authority can give them a pardon, and they can go free. And did you know, it's actually on historical record, that there have been people who have been granted a pardon from the death penalty, and they've refused to take it. And so, even though the offer was there to be set free, they themselves still had to go to the death penalty. Folks, in a nutshell, that's what God's doing every single day with all of us, this side of heaven. While you still have breath, you still have an opportunity to receive God's pardon. He's willing to forgive you of all your sins if you would just receive His pardon through Jesus Christ. Again, that's what He was doing on the cross. The cross was the death penalty of the day. But since we weren't there, and since we can't earn it, it's a gift from God, you have to receive that by faith. Reach out even today from your own spiritual jail cell, if you will, and say yes to Jesus and God's pardon so that you can be set free and go to heaven. The Bible says that if you will confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the grave, you will be saved. Hey folks, if that's you, don't delay. You may not even have tomorrow. Today could be your last day. Please accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Confess with your mouth He is Lord. Believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the grave and the Bible says you will be saved. Well, this has been Billy Crone of Gill Life Ministries. If there's anything that we could do for you, our information and, and number will come up here shortly. And please don't hesitate to contact us. But remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless.